You're listening to Music Tectonics. Welcome back to Music Tectonics, where we go beneath the surface of music and tech. I'm your host, Dimitri Vitsa. I'm also the CEO and founder of Rock, Paper, Scissors. We are a PR firm that specializes in music tech. And today I've got a great guest for you, uh, Matthew Adele, who's the CEO and co-founder of On Now TV, is joining us. It's his new startup. Matthew, how are you doing today? I'm great. How are you today, brother? I'm doing great. I think... Uh, when we first met, um, you were the guy with the craziest hair besides me. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, at the time, you were uh, uh, the CEO of Beatport, mm -hmm. and I was pushing my startup, StoryAmp. Um, I think that's when we first met several oh, years yeah. ago. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so you've uh, you've got this new this new company um, on now TV. And I'll let you talk about it in a minute. But uh, just so folks have a little bit of context, in addition to previously being with um, Beatport, you've also done work with Native Instruments as a chief digital officer. You worked at Napster as a VP of music services for a few years. Um, and you were also with Music Now, Radio Wave. So you have been going at this, setting up streaming services and related digital companies since the 90s. Yes, uh, I'm, I'm old. Uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, since the very beginning, I actually remember the first time someone showed me the World Wide Web. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so let's just dive in, and, and we can get into your, your your background a little bit more. But let's let's give people uh, w you know what you're up to now. What is onnow.tv? Onnow.tv is uh, a platform for discovering and sharing live streams. Uh, we uh, aim to be the largest index and information source of live streams globally. Uh, the live stream market is really fragmented. Uh, with walled gardens between Twitch and Zoom and Stageit uh, and all these other great services, but they all work a little bit differently. It's difficult to promote outside of those environments. And we really felt there was a need for users and live streamers to come together in one place that tries to eliminate a lot of the friction in the market. So music tectonics, obviously, it's a music tech audience, and you've been heavily involved with music tech. But let me see if I've got this right. With On Now, it's music, live stream, video, plus other stuff, not just music. It is. This is actually uh, a, a little bit of a departure for me uh, in that, of course, music is growing incredibly rapidly in the live streaming world, and I think we're really just scratching the surface of it. But OnNow.tv is dedicated to uh, any live streams um well except adult content we don't do that today uh but uh, you know my goal at onnow.tv along with my co-founders is that if you want to watch a live panda cam from the zoo or if you want to watch jeff tweedy and his sons play guitar in their bathroom that all of that is available to you cool so obviously like me you're just watching a lot of the happenings in both music and technology digital live stream and so forth in fact on music tectonics we've done several episodes with some of the companies you mentioned stage it for example and um you now other live streaming we've done a, a little mini series on live streaming um but but what specifically got you to this idea for this idea of you kind of aggregating all the different live streams into one platform what, what gave you the idea to start on now well, uh, you know, I do have co-founders and, and we all came to the idea separately. Uh, a little bit of background on how we started it. I began working on uh, the onnow.tv feature sets. 
uh, about only about 13, 14 weeks ago. And uh, a dear friend of mine commented that he knew some other folks in LA who were working on a very similar strategy. And I met up with them and rather than compete, we immediately merged our efforts. So I would say it was really a communal idea. Uh, and the, the, the way we all came to it was through different artists or different live streams. In my case, it was D nice, the DJ who just blew up, uh, late in his career, uh, on live streaming after the quarantine started. And because I'm not sitting on Twitch all day, um, although I, I, I do use Twitch and I'm a gamer, uh, I was missing the D nice live streams and I would read about them after they happened or I would read about them before they happened. And because live streaming wasn't really part of my entertainment workflow, I would miss them. So we really saw a need of helping connect mainstream audiences with the live streams that they you know, want to watch. And, make, and we, we saw an opportunity to help deliver more viewers uh, to creators' live streams to help them reach a larger audience. Gotcha. So where are you in the process? How, how far along is the product? How has traction so far? We are very early stage. Our MVP is just a few weeks old. Um, we've seen upwards of 20,000 live streams uh, put into the system uh, so far. We know there are many, many, many more. Uh, and we're working hard on aggregating them. But we do believe that as of now, we're the largest single index. Uh, on the web that we can locate. And we've seen some really exciting behavior. Part of the feature set on now.tv is if you're a viewer and you're excited to watch a live stream that's coming up, you can add that live stream to your watch list. Your watch list is similar to your Netflix queue uh, and it also functions similarly to an RSVP if you are going to a physical event, if those things still happen. And what it does is when you add an upcoming live stream to your watch list, you receive notifications uh, in advance of the live stream happening. And then you receive one just 30 seconds before it starts. And we, everything we're seeing shows that that automated notification system, especially the reminder just moments before it starts, can double the audience opportunity for a live streamer. Uh, so that's really the key value we've created so far. Live streamers can create an onnow.tv page for their upcoming live stream. It takes about four minutes to do it. And then they can use that page to share on their socials and get their audience to add the content to their watch list uh, and be sure to view it. One of the things we like to say to live streamers is make sure your fans don't miss your live stream. We're here to help. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, I mean, even as people are just adopting this behavior, um, in some cases for the first time, it's hard to, to it's, it hasn't quite worked into people's flow of their lifestyle, you know? Right. Um, I call it the, the entertainment workflow. It's not a very sexy phrase, <laughs> but uh, that's one of the challenges with this market uh, and this, this world is that not all of the content is scheduled in advance. It's at several different places. Those several different places have different features. Uh, and we really wanted to simplify the experience so that it can become part of people's regular habits. Hey, that makes me think of something I hadn't really thought about, uh, Matthew. Are you seeing anyone doing sort of like a, a, a pop-up live event where they say, I'm going to do this thing, but I'm not going to tell you when until you RSVP? Huh. I have not seen that. 
Although there could be a, certainly an interesting model for that. It's almost like Kickstarter, like we're going to schedule the stream when enough people are as VP, I could see someone doing. Uh, but we haven't seen that. What we've seen is that the, the, the more people can schedule their event in the future, mm -hmm. uh, the more people will show up. Uh, live streaming really started at Twitch, and this is how Facebook works, and it is, is hey, I'm on now, right? And you, you just get a notification when the person starts, and you're either available to watch now or, or not. Um, uh, but what we found is when a live streamer actually schedules and says, hey, in a week, on Thursday night at 9 p.m., I'm going to do this, that creates the largest audience opportunity for the streamer. Right. That, that, that makes sense. I could just see somebody saying, you won't find out when it is unless you make a connection so that I can communicate with you forevermore. Could be pretty I, clever. I absolutely think there's going to be a lot of gates like that built over time, yeah. uh, especially since um, uh, ticketing hasn't really taken off at large scale. I think you're going to see other models of value exchange mm -hmm. uh, in exchange for being able to watch a great show. So that brings something up. What are some of the most compelling things that you've learned about video live streams since starting to ingest these events onto the um, uh, platform? Well, we were pleasantly surprised to see how impactful the health and wellness space is in this market. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a lot of uh, trainers out there and um, uh, coaches uh, who've been doing events, and those are incredibly popular. Uh, so that that kind of caught me off guard. I'm, I'm not a member of that community, uh, and we saw that growing. Uh, it's interesting to see stand-up comedy gravitating, gravitating towards Zoom right now, mm -hmm. uh, especially given that Zoom has you know, very few features that make that easy. But for stand-up comics, they really need to be able to hear the audience laugh. And rudimentarily, Zoom you know, allows for that, although, of course, you have the risk of hecklers with the mics open. Mm. Uh, so that's been interesting to see. I... I really think we're at the, the, the very beginning stages of this. Um, I'm not this old, and I know you're not either, but we both know that when radio first evolved to television, that television effectively looked like a radio play with some props and a camera mm. in front of it. Right. Uh, and it was years later that television really began to develop its own formats. And I think the same is going to be true of live streaming. I think there's going to be new formats invented. I think there's going to be new stars in this space, people who are particularly good at whatever the, the evolutionary formats are. Uh, and I also I've seen uh, some people, including the Amp Music Conference and the guys at ID&T uh, over in Holland have really done some interesting things in terms of sort of a, a festival or a curated string of events all within one event umbrella a festival if you will uh that where the production has really been compelling something that you can't experience live hmm. uh i you know i think we're still evolving uh, so i'm not going to make any predictions of what those formats look like i'm just really excited to let creators invent them so when you say they're doing something you can't do in a in a regular in-person format what what are you talking about Honestly, I don't know yet. I just know that uh, great television uh, does things that can't happen on radio. Well, that's true. Great podcasts do things that can't happen in movies. Uh, and, and I'm sure that ultimately that will be the case here. Gotcha. Uh, but at, I want to leave that up to the, the creative community to discover that. And I'm, I'm just here to help drive an audience to it. 
Are you seeing new live streaming platforms? Uh, I mean, you talked at the very beginning about how splintered live streaming video is. Are you seeing new pla uh, platforms emerge? We just saw um, in the past couple of weeks, Caffeine raised $113 million for uh, their live rap battle live stream format. Anything else popping up uh, that interested you, surprised you, was new to you? Uh, nothing that's particularly, I mean, raising that much money is interesting to me. <laughs> um, but uh, I, I haven't. I think that the industry is going to go through a period of great expansion, fragmentation, uh, and then probably some settling down in the market in a few years. Mm -hmm. uh, I definitely think some of the really, really large established players are going nowhere, meaning uh, you know, Twitch is going to remain enormous. Facebook is going to continue to grow. Instagram is going to continue to grow. Um, uh, it'll be interesting to see how audience gravitate towards uh, different platforms. But again, I really, I feel like you know, a, a, a rap battle platform is really exciting. I, I would love to see that. And at the same time, I, I need that mixed into my other, you know, live stream needs and desires. I might want to watch a, a cooking show as well. Uh, I might want to, you know, I loved Paul Feig did this uh, cocktail hour program mm. for a while. He just wound it down after 100 episodes, but I love learning how to make cocktails. Uh, and so for me, I'm just, I've never been interested in only one kind of music or only one kind of TV. Uh, so I see a real need in the market for somewhere people can just, uh, you know, learn about all of it. Yeah. I mean, what's interesting about where you're going with on now is this cross, um, I don't want to say industry, cross discipline, cross field uh, aggregation. Um, one, one thing that's been super interesting for me is my mom, who's in her 70s, is using live streaming. And she's telling me about stuff that I don't know anybody else who's doing as much live streaming as my mom in terms of consumption. <laughs> she takes belly dance, Zumba, um, mandolin lessons. She's watched theater she takes art classes, uh, painting. I'm like, mom, you're like at the cutting edge of consumption on all this live streaming. And it's not all music, you know, it's right. fitness, it's exercise, it's, um, you know, personal development, it's fine art uh, and, and theater, enjoying theater, you know? So it's really interesting. You wouldn't necessarily think that a 70 something in Queens, New York would be like your ideal, uh, c customer at on now.tv, but she might actually be. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, I have, I've had, those kinds of audience members, you know, in mind, you know, people who are really, let's say you're really nerdy about Call of Duty. If you're really nerdy about Call of Duty, you probably already know your favorite game streamers, you know, that do Call of Duty. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, you probably easily find that content. But uh, for the for the, the newbie, or for the person who, you know, isn't a real nerd about something, but still wants to go watch, you know, a really great competitive round of Call of Duty. I, I think there's, uh, a, there has to be a way for, you know, those people to be reached. I think one of the things you said about your mom is also, you know, really interesting that she's, she's doing these things now because, you know, probably she's not leaving the house much. I'm glad to hear Correct. your mom as well. Yeah. But she, those, those, a lot of that was educational, is, you know, what I heard uh, right. that your mom's engaging with. And, you know, that stuff in a non-live streaming environment has existed on the web forever. Uh, and 
what I really find exciting and compelling about live streaming, and you know, I'd be curious, but I bet that's part of why your mom enjoys it now, is I'm doing it with other people. Mm, yeah. Uh, and I, I think that's really, really key. Uh, whether maybe my my sister in Phoenix and me here in LA, you know, go and watch the D Nice stream together, um, or I just know that I'm experiencing um, the a health and wellness program that I really like at the same time other audience members are. I think that that's there's a togetherness about that that's really important, and the togetherness I think is something that even the same content delivered as an on-demand YouTube video uh, can't create. It's it's togetherness that I think mm-hmm. is really special right now. You're you're right on the money there. She she, she uh, uh, some some of the classes were kind of spinoffs from this retired teachers group. She's a school she was a school teacher. So these retired teachers who were getting together in art classes and then going out for coffee. Well, now they can only do it on on Zoom, right? And another mm-hmm. group, or maybe it was the same group. Some of them were also from the you know from the gym, from the fitness gym, where she was taking yoga classes and Zumba and, and all those things. And so it was a chance to see those people while interacting with the the experience as well. So um, I think you're, you're right about that. Um, it'll be interesting to see how you create new relationships that way. Cause it's, it's easier to translate that from the physical world for her generation. Anyway, translate from the physical world online, but right. um, that, that social aspect is, is super interesting. What, what are you, Matthew, what are you learning about monetization of video live streams from this work? Well, I'm, I'm taking in a lot of information. We made a, a, a decision early on at onnow.tv uh, that ticketing wasn't a priority for us, that we thought that uh, the platforms themselves that are doing the live streaming would want to do a lot of the ticketing, that big companies like Live Nation and Ticketmaster and uh, you know all the way down to Ticketfly were going to be uh, working hard at ticketing these kinds of events. Um, so... As a result, we're not competitive with all the folks who are trying to monetize these streams, which we think is really important to our model and our ability to create a great environment for viewers where they can find everything. But what I've, what I've been hearing is, in a few instances, you can get a real ticket price for something really unique and big. Uh, on the other front, I've heard of some great successes of having free events and uh, having a tip jar. Mm -hmm. The tip jar seems to work best when the talent in the live stream repeatedly points out the tip jar and asks people to donate. Um, For the tip jar to be effective, it does really seem to require uh, live messaging in the live stream, uh, requesting that people do that. But there's been some people have had some pretty big hauls uh, on the tip jar side. I also know that some of the uh, live streaming platforms themselves, just like they were, they were paying big game streamers you know, over the last few years to be exclusive to their platform, that some of these platforms are playing out advances now to some of the big music-oriented brands to remain exclusive on their platform, so there's monetization happening there. I do know that there's uh, some movement in the product uh sort of presentation, product placement space, uh, where talent in the live streaming universe is taking money uh, or equipment from a third party just to have that stuff visible on the screen. I mean, a lot of these monetization strategies 
have been going on in the e-gaming space for a number of years. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think we're seeing an extension of those monetization strategies um, into the rest of the live streaming universe. And uh, finally, I think that we will uh, you know, settle across all of these realms. And, and there's always going to be a tremendous amount of free um, uh, content available mm-hmm. in this universe. I do think that the people, like say a, a yoga instructor that can really build up a committed audience uh, who streams on a regular schedule, um, even without a huge audience, but a committed audience of 100 people can drive some real revenue for somebody who can't get to the gym to train, teach the classes they used to teach. Right. Uh, so I think that there's uh, you know, opportunity uh, on that front as well. But when you think about a lot of creators, uh, musicians, uh, even uh, people who like to knit and crochet on a live stream, uh, a lot of them do it for the pure joy and pleasure of reaching an audience and communicating about their art. So there's always going to be an incredible amount of uh, free to access live streams available uh, as well. I mean, we also see a tremendous number of churches are live streaming services now. And I believe that when the quarantine ends, almost everything is going to move to what's being described as a hybrid model, Uh, either a nightclubs or festivals or concerts, or even the church may need to constrict uh, audience who can physically come to the event. Let's say, you know, 25% capacity. That means there's a lot of people left at home who can't physically go to Coachella, let's say. And so I think you're going to see a hybrid model of a lot of these event locations adding uh, the live streaming capability permanently to what they do. Man, you just gave me my my best business idea yet. I'm going to start a crochet battle live stream platform. I'm hoping to raise $100 million. Uh-huh. And, and we can have crochet battles. It's a new form. You talked about new formats, right? So yeah. That's <laughs> I, I say I say crochet because well one I do know that there is um, uh, a world of uh, needlepoint and crochet live streaming going on. I also know that oh, by the way you mentioned that I worked at uh, you know, that I worked at Napster coming up. I always like to remind everyone I worked at Legal Napster. I went to work there after it became licensed <laughs> and started paying musicians. Um, but I know from the early days of Napster's, the original file sharing days of Napster, that uh, not only did the file sharing of Napster, you know, really decimate the revenue in the music business, but it also completely decimated the needlepoint um, template and pattern business um, uh, all the way back then. So there's wow. always been this needlepoint crochet. Uh, digital underground, if you will. <laughs> That's great. You heard it here first on Music Tectonics, folks, the seismic shifts of crochet and technology. Hey, so speaking of, of, of money, what is on now.tv's business model, Matthew? So our, our, our business model, first off, is to provide the, the world's largest index search and discovery mechanism to viewers uh, for live streams. Uh, our business model is to help live streamers massively grow their global footprint of their audience and their business opportunities, whatever those opportunities are that that live streamer may want. And we currently do not charge anyone uh, in that environment. 
Um, uh, we have a number of different monetization opportunities uh, that we can look at in the future, but we're absolutely currently focused on creating uh, free value for the two constituents we've been talking about uh, and really scaling as rapidly as we can. We believe that uh, this is a grow rapidly growing market that's not going away and there'll be plenty of opportunity to monetize in the future. Gotcha. Yeah. So build it, get the audience and start to tap into the potential opportunities down the road. Yeah. I think it's really important that we understand what viewers and live streamers need, uh, that we understand, um, uh, you know, what their goals are. And then we can start to, uh, build out sort of a monetization engine for our business that helps those constituents. You know, all of that said, I don't really see a, a future of us charging viewers for anything. Uh, although I can see a future where we partner with other ticketing companies to allow their APIs to work and transact uh, with our users if a ticket is necessary for an event. But uh, I, I think that this is going to be growing so rapidly that there's there's plenty of opportunity there. And we just can't pick which opportunity is the right one yet until we get to know all the users better. Right. Makes sense. So we're four months into the COVID-19 pandemic, at least from an American uh, viewpoint, when the lockdowns started mm -hmm. and self-isolation started. What's your sense about whether this will change behavior as it relates to live streams for the long term? Because you're sort of leaning in as if this is going to happen forever, but hopefully at some point we get this health situation. It may take another six months, 12 months, 24 months. But even if we're able to go back to going to live events safely in person, do you really think that people will change their behavior forevermore as it relates to live streams? I, I mean, I, I think people will evolve their behavior. I don't, I don't think anyone wakes up in the morning and thinks, I want to change my behavior, right? That's not a goal. <laughs> uh, but people do wake up in the morning and say, I want to try something new today. Mm -hmm. uh, and if they, if they try that, that new thing enough, then it becomes you know, really part of their entertainment and, and media diet. It, it is apparent to me that even when we get this under, under control quote, and I'm not even sure what under control looks like right now, that live events will be the hybrid model. You know, there's just, there's, there, there's not going to be an appetite for crowded spaces, um, you know, in the near future. And uh, so people are still going to want to see bands. People are still going to want to see Broadway shows. Uh, and the way to do it uh, is going to be to add live streaming. There's, there's no doubt in my mind. Do I think that the, the massive growth of live streaming continues? To some extent, yes, especially among aspirational creators who've realized how democratized the live stream universe is and how people can really build new audiences that they didn't have before. I mean, if you think about a guy like D-Nice, the DJ, I mean, he's... He's been an important figure in hip hop since I think the early '80s, and uh, but you know was sort of off of mainstream uh, radar until the DJing, until the live streaming happened. I mean, he's a live streaming star. He's going to continue to do live streaming, even though I'm sure we'll see him on TV and you know actual live event stages uh, soon. So I'm I'm sure that live streaming is a permanent part of people's diets, especially if you just think about the gaming generation. Mm -hmm. Quarantine or not, gamers love live streaming. 
And it, what started out as being all about the games, to some, the gaming, to some of those people have really become comedians who are gaming while they're telling jokes. Other of them have become, you know, practically philosophers who are, talk, you know, talking or having a talk show while they're playing a game. The generation of people growing up on that experience, as they get older and their taste evolves uh, in media, they're going to use the same technology to consume the entertainment and media they want. And so somebody who really loves, you know, watching mine, someone live stream Minecraft right now, you know, in 10 years might really like watching someone, you know, teach you how to make great crepes. Mm -hmm. Definitely. I see that with my 11 year old who's been watching that type of video Minecraft and other video game leading into tricks and skits and comedy and inventions right. and all that stuff. It's going to be forevermore. You know, it's interesting as you were talking, I was thinking it kind of opened up a door in my mind. You know, we watched kind of the media, the traditional media landscape, the, the, the press with the, the blogosphere became that it kind of opened it up to like, Oh, anybody can write news or, or, uh, cultural commentary, social, social commentary. That was the blog thing. And then we have the independent music scene blowing up where anybody can start to create and upload and distribute content to the streaming services. And obviously, like you said, the video gamers were, were kind of on the front end of this live streaming thing. But what you're really saying is it's just opening up television creation in a way like this sense of you got to watch it now because it's on tv now the live stream gives it the similar feel to a broadcast tv schedule like that's when you got to watch it is sort of sort of feels like it's it's like we're just going through each industry each creative sector and opening it up to more and more people and that's what i hear you saying live streaming it's not just about how are people behaving in terms of oh i can't go out it's also about the democratization of creating television like content yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, when I was growing up, there were five networks and there were only, uh, or three networks, three right. major networks. There, there, there were three uh, nightly, late night shows and three later shows, uh, all hosted by white men. Um, and uh, that has not changed enough as far as I'm concerned on the networks. It's just more networks and more white men for the most part. And, but now... Uh, anyone can start a compelling live talk show. Uh, somewhat, uh, and I think that's really fascinating. I'm, you know, if you think of Justin Bieber as sort of being the first pop star that came out of uh, the YouTube era, uh, I'm really looking forward to the first late night talk show that becomes, mu you know, must see viewing that is uh, effectively a live stream that's not sitting on any of the networks. Mm -hmm. I am sure, as a matter of fact, that whatever show that is that busts through mainstream probably even already exists and we haven't seen it yet. Right. I mean, yeah. I, I don't know if you saw the, I played animal crossing a little bit early mm -hmm. in the quarantine. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, uh, there's a guy who started a live talk show in animal crossing. Oh man. Uh, and that's interesting because not only is it, uh, to, to see your experience at live, you have to be in animal crossing, um, or you can watch it on demand later as a recording. Yeah, that's 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 crazy. It's not on YouTube. It's not on Twitch. It's on Animal Crossing, guys. Get in there. Yep. Um, it's it's interesting to see the diversity of video game gaming that 
is growing in popularity right now because it's not just for your your stereotypical gamer anymore. You know, there's there's a lot of different paces and uh, ambiances that pe- that appeal to different people, and so you're seeing older or more female or other stuff that. Not to say they weren't all there playing those other games, but that are growing in popularity as a result of everyone being like, okay, I'm ready to do something else right now. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, My wife, who's not a gamer, has made our video game console part of her daily exercise routine, uh, which I don't think would have happened uh, before the gyms closed. Uh, And I I also think that the the world of gaming uh, has always had uh, women and, and people of color, you know, involved and inventing and creating. But frankly, a lot of those spaces became toxic. And, uh, you know, what I like about what's going on with live streaming right now is there's opportunity for all. And uh, right now, uh, it seems to uh, not have created a lot of toxic spaces. Hmm. Interesting. You know, even if you go pre COVID pre-pandemic, it, it seems like some of the big stuff that we're talking about is almost in line with the, the trend of cord cutting in a sense. Like people, exactly. you know, the more um, opportunities there are for more niche content or just diverse content, whether it be about the stuff you're talking about related to gender and, 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 and racial barriers and so forth versus just you know, crocheting, you know, s- stuff that you wouldn't get on a national t- television network. You got access to stuff that's more specific to your interests. It gives you less and less of a reason to be using traditional media as your, your video source. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, the challenge with cord cutting uh, still remains that it's not a really convenient workflow, <laughs> entertainment workflow for people. Right. I cut, I cut the cord last year and, um, we use an Apple TV as the box, and but we also have Hulu and Netflix subscriptions. Mm-hmm. Hulu provides live TV for us uh, through that system, and uh, I absolutely believe that live streaming really is the the live TV of the future, if you will. Uh, but even in the on-demand uh, market, Apple TV attempted to create a singular place where you could search for everything. Um, but Netflix blocks them. And so if Netflix isn't there and I search for Amy Schumer, I'm not going to, you know, get a link to Netflix new Amy Schumer miniseries. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's fragmentation challenges in that market as well. Yeah, definitely. So um, let's back up a little bit. What, what is it about your past experience and career that make you position well to succeed with this on now.tv, this aggregation of, of live stream content? Uh, well, uh, thanks for presuming there is a reason that I'm, uh, <laughs> uh, I appreciate that. Uh, well, first off, I want to say it's really, uh, it's, it's our team that I believe is poised for success. Uh, I've got three co-founders, Terrence, Henry, and Stefan. Um, between the uh, four of us, we have some background in software and web development. Uh, we are musicians. Uh, we are live streamers ourselves. We are music educators and designers. Um, so I believe we as a team are really uniquely positioned to make this work. Uh, in, ter- in terms of my background, I believe my ability to rapidly scale and grow entertainment tech businesses uh, is going to play a key role in our success because I believe the opportunity here requires very rapid scale and expansion. 
in order to create the kind of value for all the constituents we, we want to create. And, and my colleagues, uh, Stefan, Henry, and Terrence are, you know, just are also entrepreneurs. Uh, each of them have had successful startups in their past, and they're deeply passionate about creators. And so I really think uh, we are uniquely positioned uh, to make this work. I also believe that our strategy of not being uh, genre specific to either, uh, you know, I guess a genre could be music, a genre could be comedy, uh, you know, more deeply in music, a genre could be techno. Um, uh, you know, we just want people to be able to find and discover and share what they want. Uh, um, and we want to help people share and discover uh, the things that are going to resonate with them the most. That's, that's, that's really our goal. But I think our team is, is what's going to help us win. And our partners, ultimately, are, are going to be an incredibly uh, important part of how we win. What, what would you say? I mean, I, you know, I, like I said, I met you when you were um, at Beatport. I think you were rising, rising the ranks to CEO around that time. Um, what would you say were your biggest contributions there? At Beatport? Yeah. Mm, I think I, I, I think my biggest contribution was really taking this incredible business and brand and idea that the original founders had, uh, taking the momentum they created and accelerating it and growing it really, really rapidly in terms of revenue, user base, engagement, the volume of music the platform was able to uh, deliver. Um, I think when I got there, for instance, technologically, Beatport was really only capable of publishing about uh, 5,000 tracks a week. When I left, it was virtually limitless, you know, well over 30,000 tracks a week, but the technology wasn't an impediment to that. Uh, so I, I think I did there what, um, you know, I'm hoping to do here, which is rapid scale and rapid, you know, value add to the two constituents of a two-sided uh, marketplace. I'm also very proud of my time at Beatport in which we instituted uh, Black History Month, uh, reminding people of the incredibly important history of Black Americans inventing house and techno. Nice. Very cool. So um, just got a few more questions for you here. What, what other companies or news are you watching in the music tech space besides your current company? What gets you excited in the space? I'm really excited about uh, music education whether it's live streamed or, or on demand. Uh, I think that's a really exciting place to be right now. Uh, there's a really great company in Florida called Truefire uh, that uh, I think we're going to see grow and expand a lot in the coming years. Uh, they currently teach guitar um, and are adding a lot more to their platform. So I think music education is something to really keep your eye on. Um, uh, Music-based VR, uh, I think, is interesting right now and finally coming into its own. Uh, there's a company called Tribe VR that I think is really neat that actually use VR to teach people how to DJ on Pioneer decks. Uh, there's a company in San Francisco called Submix, and they have a product called Squadron that is effectively Zoom for uh, music production uh, collaboration. Uh, that's really cool. They invented some really serious tech that makes it possible to musically collaborate in one instance of a DAW. Uh, and the user, you know, who's operating remotely can play a MIDI device and play in real time right into 
that DAW oh, and cool. uh, work in real time with their collaborator. I think that's really, really cool uh, right now. And um, I am uh, keeping an eye on Triller and a lot of these, what I would call music creation apps. TikTok is obviously one of them. And I think that's really neat. I really love the idea of legally giving uh, users the ability to create something out of audio. Uh, that's really you know fun for me right now. Uh, and I'm also keeping an eye on, um, honestly, the record space. Uh, I think uh, vinyl records is going to be an interesting market through the rest of our lifetime. I really love Vinyl Me Please. The music, the music vinyl subscription service based out of Colorado. I think they do some really neat stuff. And then there's a space that I'm really excited about, which is the uh, plug-in space for digital audio workstations. The easy way to explain it is if you make music in your laptop, you then likely need plugins that are additional pieces of software that are instruments that work inside the recording environment of your laptop. So if you need a synthesizer or a drum machine or something that sounds like a guitar, um, that is a plugin that you buy and acquire and use alongside Ableton or Pro Tools as you're making music. That market is blowing up right now. Um, and I think there's going to be really interesting and exciting um, both products, but really what I'm interested in right now is the services they're going to wrap around those products for music creators. Uh, I'm, from, you know, I think Lander is amazing. I think Splice has done great things. BandLab, uh, you know, every year seems to do something cool and interesting. I think that whole space of music collaboration and music tools is very exciting because the cost and complexity of those tools have been reduced so much that the ability for people to try them for the first time, the cost of entry is, is greatly reduced. Wow, that that last three minutes was just awesome, Matthew. I feel like I should have you on uh, on the show regularly just to talk through trends and, and up and coming companies because you just hit the hit the gamut there. Well, I, I, I will, I've I had a lot of time in quarantine, uh, but uh, always happy to talk about that stuff. I'm always such a fan of seeing other people succeed. Nice, good. So, what's next for OnNow.tv? You're 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 kind of in your MVP modes, getting get starting to get the word out there. Uh, this might be one of the earliest uh, conversations where you're putting it out there. Um, yes, it is. Awesome. Uh, glad you could do that on Music Tectonics. But but what's next? And and maybe you could add in a little bit about how people are listeners if they're doing live streams or they're working with artists or um, creators that are doing live streams, how they can interface with you uh, as well. Sure. Well, what's coming up? So our MV, because we, we serve two constituents, viewers and live streamers, we, the first MVP was targeting live streamers. And uh, actually starting today, we're working on our uh, additional feature set for viewers. There is a bunch of features there for viewers now, but sort of our second MVP for those, uh, for that side of our marketplace is what we're focused on today. We want to make that experience um, smoother and easier for those users. So it's really a, a simplicity and convenience uh, process we're going through on the viewer side coming up right now. That's really important to us. Uh, but let me, if people are listening, let me tell you how uh, you can uh, you know, participate. If you are a live streamer or if you do business with people who are live streamers, you might be a manager, an agent, um, a friend, uh, a brand that wants to do live streams. Um, you can just come on over to onnow.tv, 
sign up. It should take you 30 seconds or less. And in about four minutes, you can uh, uh, enter a little bit of information and we auto-generate an onnow.tv page that promotes your upcoming live stream. And then if you share that page on your own socials and get them in front of your existing fan base, that page starts acquiring those fans for you, gives you a channel to communicate directly to those fans, automatically reminds those fans of when your show is coming up, and then allows you to retarget those fans in the future. So a big value for um, a live streamer or their business partners is that you can now um, own your own audience and not have that audience circumnavigated by the platform itself where you're doing the live streaming. Uh, and if you're a viewer, all you have to do is come on over to onnow.tv, sign up, and any live stream you're interested in, add it to your watch list. And uh, that can become part of your regular entertainment diet. We had a really popular one uh, last week uh, that lots of people were talking about online. Radiohead did a live stream. And I got really great feedback from a friend of ours in the space who was constantly missing the live streams she wanted to see. She read about the, this actually, I think, in the New York Times, but she popped right over to onnow.tv, found the upcoming Radiohead live stream, added it to her watch list, got the notification 30 seconds before it started and was really happy to be watching that Radiohead thing, which she thinks she would have missed if she didn't get that notification. Uh, so that's really the, the, the value we can create for both sets of folks today. Awesome. Well, Matthew, this has been a blast. I really appreciate you coming on to Music Tectonics. I appreciate that you were at the Music Tectonics conference we did in LA in October. I think that may be the last time I've seen you in person. <laughs> yeah, I mean, didn't you, as I recall, didn't you have to move venues at the last minute? <laughs> yeah, that is correct. That was a different crisis. That was the, the brush fires. The fires. Oh, <laughs> I remember fires. Those were the good old days. I missed the fires. <laughs> oh, I'm sure you can live stream fires if you want. <laughs> oh, I, I, I'm Sure, I'm sure you can. <laughs> um, but yeah, they, they were the good old days. And um, hopefully I'll get to see you sometime in person soon. Certainly was enjoying all my trips to LA as we set up the Music Tectonics Conference. We're still doing tons of stuff online. So hopefully you can join us on some of that as well. But thanks for coming on the podcast, Matthew. It's an absolute pleasure, brother. Take care. All right. Likewise. And good luck with OnNow.tv. And thank you for listening to Music Tectonics. There is more. We have now launched an app in the App Store, regardless of whether you have an Android or an Apple, you can download the Music Tectonics app. It's where all the action is happening. Just last week, we did an AMA, Ask Me Anything, with music tech journalist Sherry Hu, with CD Baby CEO Tracy Maddox, with Chartmetric CEO Sung Cho. You should come and read what they wrote there, but also participate, ask questions, join the conversation. Just look for Music Tectonics in any of the app stores and come to musictectonics.com to sign up for our newsletter. Please hit like on your favorite podcasting uh, app and we look forward to bringing you another show soon. Thanks for joining. You're listening to Music Tectonics.